Welcome to That Indie Talk podcast. This is episode 15. Um, yeah, I think the podcast started last year with Women's Month, where I was having interviews with women around the world discussing women's issues. So moving, in, moving on from that, I'm going to have it with like regular everyday athletes, not just runners. I want to diversify um, the activities that people do and the type of people that are on this platform so welcome to episode 15 this is your episode yeah this is going to be on youtube and also on most of the podcast platforms okay awesome thank you for inviting me and thinking of me yeah i yeah i saw your the reason i chose you was i saw your yoga post and ever since i've been within the yoga spaces i've seen that Yoga is not really diversified, right? It's done by a lot of white people. Not a lot of people of color participate in it. So, yeah, that um, piqued my interest because you're also a yoga teacher and yeah. you're a yoga teacher in Cape Town. Like that. That's like... Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, I was saying, and also because you're a yoga teacher in Cape Town and that's like the mecca of yoga... So yeah, I just yeah. wanted to get your insights and I also found out that you have finished comrades as well and you're very passionate about um, endurance sports. And I think this year, no, well, not this year. In a few years, I'd like to try triathlon. So yeah, wanted you to feature you on this platform because of all the activities that you do. Thank you. It's definitely all fun. It's it's just fun, yeah. It doesn't feel like effort for me. It's just going out, having a blast, whether you're swimming, whether you're running, whether you're cycling, just sweating. And yeah, especially when you do it with friends, that's when I enjoy it the most. Uh, yeah, that's true. I think, you know, like doing something like running when you're doing it with other people, uh, it definitely makes it easier because it's a very, very hard thing to do. Yeah. Especially for like 90 kilometers or a marathon. It's, it's it's crazy, it's hard. Before, uh, before we start our interview, so somebody actually from the Women's Month podcast said we cannot have a live without a drink. So okay. my drink is coffee in a Harry Potter mug. What is yours? I've got a non-alcoholic beverage, um, lime-flavored beverage here with me. Nice and sparkly. <laughs> is it non-alcoholic because you don't drink alcohol or because you couldn't get to the bottle store on time? <laughs> um, mainly because I just had, after my classes, I just had my protein shake and it's not a good idea to consume alcohol after a protein shake. So, yeah, that's why I'm sticking to non-alcoholic. But, yeah, I don't drink that much. Only on special occasions, yeah. And it's fun out with friends and stuff like that. Yeah. Ah, uh, okay. So you weren't really affected by the alcohol ban? No, I could have done without it for the next year or two. <laughs> I think I, I, I agree with you. I also, there's a hunter's dry in the fridge that I realized yesterday that it's still there. And I think it's from December before they close the alcohol. Yeah, I was more excited by the beach, um, beach being open than the alcohol sales being open. <laughs> I think I would be too, but we don't have a beach in Joburg, so... Yeah, 
But how insensitive of me, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Until we get to Durban or I go or I come to Cape Town, uh yeah. But the water in Cape Town is cold here. I remember going to Camps Bay and wow. And then we went to Bloberg and double out. That water is icy. Icy, icy, icy. You have to go way up the coast if you want nice and warm water. Like, do you know Langabon side? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a bit more warmer that side. Yeah, no, the water in Cape Town, uh, I prefer the water in Durban. It's much warmer. Sure, the water in Cape Town is icy, icy, icy. That bit for when you're planning your ocean swim. You're starting in pools now, and then you're going to plan your ocean swim. About 10 k's. And then you choose Langabon side. Water is nice and warm. <laughs> but the wet, the wetsuit keeps you warm, right? Um, yeah, it keeps you warm. Yes, it insulates. Somebody, yeah. somebody told me yesterday that it also like makes you float. It does. It especially keeps you warm if you pee in your wetsuit. That's uh, <laughs> that's the. Pee in your wetsuit, it keeps you warm. <laughs> Uh, on that note, so I, I've had thoughts of um, doing Midmar at some point in my life. But I was okay. just thinking, if we're swimming for 1.6 kilometers, there's no toilet. There's definitely some people that are going to pee in the water and they're not wearing wetsuits because everybody's just swimming in Speedos or jammers. Yeah. So you're definitely going to swallow somebody's pee at some point. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. You're, you're going to swim but, through, through somebody's or something so yeah that's a different uh, something to think about hmm. so yeah um before we started this interview uh to everybody this that just joined the live today's guest is Kalman. um you need to say all the letters in his name and he's a runner yoga teacher pretty much does a lot of sports from cape town and today he's just going to share his insights with us so I did a quick Google search on you and I found oh that God. you were a DJ at some point in your life a at DJ. a Cape Town Asia station. Is that still, like, do you no, still do that? Community radio station, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I worked at a community radio station. Um, yeah, did a few talks, um, did news and the weather and that kind of stuff uh, that was about for a year or two yeah that was fun that was nothing like serious i um studied performing arts which is weird i never never went in that direction but that was kind of in the line of going into the radio community radio and it was fun and yeah by performing arts this is drama dance singing right yes Music, not singing. I can't sing. I can do music, oh, but I can't okay. sing. Yeah. I did drama in high school, but um, when it was time to go to Vasti, I knew that I had to walk off the stage. I had to stop directing, and I went and I studied computer science. Oh, why though? Because I wanted a stable job. Oh, yeah. You I wanted to a, go that route. You need a deep passion to struggle. For a bit. First question, who is Kalman? What do you enjoy doing? What do you do for a living? Basically, like on a speed date, when you're introducing yourself to somebody, what would you say? Um, there would be awkward silence for the first 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I hate talking about myself though. Uh, I always have to think. Um, Calman, um, very calm, peaceful guy. Um, introverted, sometimes extroverted. Um, I find that I'm more in- extroverted when it comes to my sports, um, whether it's cycling, whether it's um, yoga, connecting with other people. I'm a bit more extroverted. But in other areas of life, I tend to be more introverted. I tend to be more keep to myself, mostly um, small circle of friends. Uh, being introverted, I'm not necessarily um, shy. Trying to be vegan, it's really hard, but I'm on that vegan path right now. It's really hard. So yeah, that's about me in a nutshell. Mm, very spiritual. Um, yeah, a lot of reading, a lot of podcasts. Love working on myself, getting to know myself better. I think like that's the ultimate way of getting to know other people better is to know yourself better. That's so true. that's me in a nutshell. So yoga teacher at the moment, is there anything else that you do? Um, I instruct, I'm a fitness instructor. So I do yoga, I do cycling, I do shape, I do a lot of disciplines. I do grid as well. So yeah, the idea is to keep expanding, um, learn more, as many disciplines as I can. Yeah, I don't think I'll ever stop. Even when I'm like 60, 70, 80, I'll still continue doing yoga. And maybe you'll still come to my classes, 60, 70, 80. I wouldn't come to your classes if I was still coming to Cape Town. You're at that Virgin Active Silo, right? Yeah, that's one of the places I teach, yes. Ah, okay. Yeah, in our past lives, I used to come to Cape Town on it like weekly, and sometimes I'd visit um, that Virgin Active Silo. I think I've had a class by, I follow on Instagram, just forgot her name right now. She's also a yoga teacher. Um, Leanne. She is your friend, yes. And and I absolutely loved her music selection during that Union class. Mm. Ah, tales from a past life. So um, you just mentioned that you will keep active until the day you die. But what inspired this fitness journey? What got you into it? You know, I was I was never really into fitness. Um, in high school, you know, you have these. I don't. I think they call them um, color sports in the beginning of the year in high school, and I never used to put up my hand for those kinds of things, running, high jump, then all those kinds of long distance, short distance, and the teacher would always like force me to 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 um, participate in these things, and on the day, um, I remember them calling me out once over the intercom, like, um, I must report to um, stand in line for the running. And I was actually hiding in the toilets. <laughs> I don't know why, but I was <laughs> And, yeah, and fitness actually came after a matric. So after matric, I started um, running. And I found it a way of relaxing more. In the beginning, it was very difficult. Ooh, 1K, 2K, 3K, I died. And... But I love a good challenge, and I will keep at it until I get better. And the more I ran, the easier it got, just in, in a sense, the easier it got, and the more I got to do it like freely. 
so it was less effort. So, so I used to like get lost on the road and just my mind would go off. And yeah, it would just like de-stress me. It would take me to another place or it would take me away from everything around me. So I found out that helped a lot. And then I was, the way I got into yoga is I was searching for new ways to get um, running fit and not to get injured as much. So I mm -hmm. YouTube yoga and my first yoga experience did a 15 minute class on YouTube. And then I died naturally. I was sweating so much. I can't believe I sweat that much in 15 minutes. And yeah, and like with everything I do, it was challenging. So I wanted to get better at it and started progressing into handstands, headstands and all those funky kind of poses. Because I like the challenge of it and having um, the discipline to kind of form your body in that pose. It only happens with time. I think that's what I liked about it. You have to work on it um, on a daily. And, and over and over. Yeah. And then I fell into the spiritual aspect of yoga, um, the meditation as well. Yeah, and then I decided to do my uh, yoga teacher training. Yeah, decided to go for that. And how was that experience? It was, you know, when you start your yoga teacher training, they have this saying that your world will never be the same once you finish it, once you walk out. Your world will never be the same. And it's kind of true. Um, it kind of opens up. Like with everything new you do, everything... Anything big you take on that's challenging after you've mm -hmm. got, kind of gotten a view of it, you've kind of gotten around to it, um, it expands your mind. And especially with yoga, because it expands your awareness, your mindfulness. And I think that's what I liked about it. And when you're done, you're never the same. And after so, the um, teacher training, you just, I just became more hungry and you just wanted more and more and more. So, yeah. So, your teacher training, was it like a 200-hour training in vinyasa or was it a different discipline of yoga? Uh, my first one was actually 300 hours. It was, it was actually in, insane because it was every day from um, 8 o'clock in the morning, uh, 8 a.m. in the morning to um, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And we would start with meditation, sitting in cross-legged. You know when you're starting out yoga and you sit in, sit in cross-legged for... 30 minutes to 40 minutes, you're dying. You are dying. Your lower back is crying. Your legs are dying. My mind and would wander. No, there's nowhere to wander anymore after 30 minutes, especially when you're starting out with meditation. And then we would have a two-hour practice every morning. So a two-hour yoga practice, followed by theory, followed by another one-hour afternoon of yoga practice. So after, um, at the end of the day, you were stretched out like a wet noodle. You were just, <laughs> everything was loose. Three hours of yoga, a lot of theory, and one hour of meditation. And that was for a month. So that was a 300 hour. My first um, training was a 300 hour. Yeah. So you finished 300 hours of yoga training in a month? Yeah, I did. <laughs> That's awesome. I think I'd also like to do that. But I, I don't know about the meditation part, though, because even with, like, normal yoga, I can't keep still for two minutes. 
I think it's good when you do it in like a group environment. It's really heavy if you have to do it alone at home or something. So in that group environment, it was it was better to do it like that, and it actually challenged me to. I couldn't sit still for like two, three minutes. It was difficult. I was like, "Where's my mind supposed to go? Where's my thinking supposed to go? Where am I supposed to put it?" And then after a while, it clicks, and then you get it, and then you're able to get to that state of not any having any thoughts, just the state of being, not doing anything, not thinking of anything, which is pretty amazing. It's a pretty amazing state to be in. I've made it. That is. That is the state you're supposed to reach uh, during Shavasana, right? Yeah. But I end up that, just falling asleep. Um, for anybody that, that doesn't know, Shavasana that, is the point of practice where you close off practice with Shavasana, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you just lie there. The teacher would give a short Shavasana, or the teacher would give a like a guided meditation. I like to give a guided meditation. Which you guide your members into a meditation. You tell them what to feel, where to think, what to think about, how to feel, and imagine them being in a certain place, a certain space. Hmm. So I don't think I've heard that before. As a, as a guided meditation, it's easier to guide someone into meditation than for you to take yourself there. Obviously, yeah. Okay, so you did the three hundred. Um... Teacher training, and then are there any other teacher trainings that you did after that? Um, after that, I did my advanced yoga teacher training with Unraveled Yoga. I don't know if you know the space. It's in also in Cape Town. Unraveled Yoga. My first teacher training was with Jim Harrington Yoga. He mm -hmm. is first um, certified yoga school in South Africa. Okay. So it's quite cool. Years of knowledge knowledge um it's quite cool he's also one of the only ones to have the 300 hour practice normally you only get the 200 hour practice for beginners so yeah so after that i went specialized in um advanced creative sequencing so yoga sequencing and i did that with unraveled yoga yeah okay uh, oh no sorry go on okay and at this stage of my practice, I'm busy um, teaching a lot um, at the studio, the Balance Studio in Cape Town. So it's mm -hmm. a studio based on um, physio work. It's based on bio work and all that, all the muscles and bones in the body, all the mechanics of the body. So I'm busy learning a lot about that and applying yoga to that and applying that to sports as well. So getting involved with um, physios and bios and working together and just learning a lot from one another. So that's the direction I'm going into now. It's a sports one. I've been to it for a few months now. And it's very interesting. We say. have a question from Anastasia. She says, how did you start being a vegan? How you start being a vegan? How did you start being a vegan? Well, to be, um, to be clear, um, I said I'm struggling to be a legal, <laughs> vegan, like a full-on vegan, but I can only say the way I started is I started cutting out like really processed foods out of my diet, like high processed foods. Um, I started cutting out um, gas, cool drinks, um, fizzy cool drinks, um, potato chips, 
and just very saturated um, food. And I think and that made me um, gravitate more towards healthy food, healthier options. And I think, I don't know if you've experienced this, but when you exercise a lot and you have um, exercise rich um, lifestyle, you tend to gravitate more towards healthy options, don't you? Um, with food, involving food. That's what I experienced. Like, no, you're rolling eyes. Depends <laughs> sometimes. So my, I think my, my biggest weakness since I was a child is sugar. And okay. now that I'm an adult, it's a cold drink. Like those are the two biggest things. We can cancel meat. I don't care about meat except bacon. I think that's the one thing I'm going to struggle to give up. But sugar and Coke, hmm, these are the two reasons why I don't have a flat stomach and why I don't have a six pack. But I um, think it's something I need to work on this year. Yeah. I was also heavy into like Coke and stuff, especially being a runner. There's nothing more satisfying than having a cold, fizzy Coke at the end of a Right. <laughs> and it's cold and it's fizzy uh, and you're burning and you swallow it and it's the best thing ever. Ah, uh, the best feeling. But now I settle for a um, water. <laughs> um, with regards to taste buds, um, I think if you try, if you gently start to weigh off of um, sugar, like how many sugars you take in your tea, coffee, or your taste buds tend to reset after a while. So if you just stick to it, in the beginning, it's difficult. Like if you're used to having three sh sugars in your tea and your coffee, maybe just take mm. two for a week and then the next week you take one. And then you'll mm. find after the taste buds reset and it will, you'll start to notice the difference Then, if you take like three sugars again, it will feel like really, really sweet. That's my experience with it. So gently wean yourself off of sugar, not cold turkey, unless you're mm. one of those cold turkey people. Cold turkey works for some people. Not for me. I have to slowly... Cold turkey doesn't work for me. Yeah. I cannot lie to myself. It does not work for me. So I want to ask you about running. Um, what does running mean to you in your life? Um, running, people always ask me, like, if I, when I tell them, like, these long distances or they see these long distances I run, they've always asked me, I'm sure you've gotten this question as well. What are you running from? What is chasing you? Are you um, being paid? Why would you run? Why would you run that distance? Yeah, they're like, what's Do you not have a car? Is everything alright at home? <laughs> Stuff like that. Um, honestly, running it's an outlet for me. It started as being an outlet for me. Um, sometimes when I run, you don't. I think you don't even know what you get rid of. It's like you just go and run. You just feel kind of off and you just go and run and you just feel better when you finish and you had your shower. Mm. I don't know. I just feel better. It started as that, a way to feel better, a way to get healthier. And the more I started doing it, I think the more my body started getting used to it and my body was like craving it more and more. And I started running. Believe it or not, the first race that I did was a full marathon, yes. The first race. I didn't go for 10K. I didn't go for 21K. I don't know why I was like that. I went for a full 42K. And yeah, that's how much I like running. I can't explain it. It's just a feeling within yourself. 
And sometimes I have this feeling when I'm sitting, when I haven't ran for like two days max, and I'm like, I feel so uneasy. That's like my feet just want to, my legs want to get up, my legs, I don't know, there's something about that. And I just need to go out and run. And I think your body gets so used to it that, dare I say, it's almost like smoking or something once you start doing it and your body starts craving it more and more. But obviously, it takes longer with exercise. <laughs> That's what smoking is. It becomes like part of your routine. I was telling Alicia that even though it's hard, but I know, some t- like I know I need to go run. So at the end of the workday, it's not hard for me to put on my running shoes and go running. It'll be hard on yeah. the street. But for me to get into that, I need to go run or I need to go swim mode, it's not, it's not hard. It's like part of my routine. Like I need to eat, I need to do this. And you yeah. are right. If you don't do it for a couple of days, you feel like, oh my word, I haven't done this so long. I need to go do it. And also with me, I know if I skip three days of running, the minute the day I go run, it's going to be the hardest run I've done ever. <laughs> So that's why I like I try not to skip three. I can't. I try not to skip three days because then my body resets. I think it's like the opposite for me. I don't know why. I have so much energy if I skip. I don't know. It's this energy buildup. That's why I feel uneasy. This energy buildup. It's like I can't sit still. My mind, mind. I can't even meditate when I when I haven't ran. Can't meditate because um there's too much energy inside my body. It's like bubbling, and when I run, it's like. Every step is like you feel this kick off of power. This extra, my energy builds up, even after maybe not a week of running, and then wow. I explode. I wish we could swap bodies. <laughs> that does that does not work for me. After years of conditioning, I've been running for thirteen, fourteen years now. Yeah. So I think I'm on. I think I'm on nine years now. I think next year will be 10 years of me being on the streets. And I think it's absolutely amazing that your first race was a marathon. My first race was the Run Josie um, 10-kilometer race in Johannesburg. And my roommate and my friend forced me to do that. That was the longest 10 kilometers I've ever done in my life. I felt like, yeah, no, mm I think by the time I was done, for the next two weeks, I was walking like a penguin. That's how much <laughs> it took out of me. That's how unfit I was. Um, but we actually, like, have this group. we actually have this group. When we go to the comrades, we're like a group of friends, and we call ourselves the penguins. We have a WhatsApp group called the penguins. And because every time, obviously, after comrades, it's like 90Ks, you are walking like a penguin. <laughs> Even slower. It's like a penguin in slow motion. <laughs> That's how much. And I heard that at the comrades finish, like you need to climb over steps and to get to the field. Yeah. You know what? What the worst one was the finish at the stadium. I don't know if you know that, comrades. Um, actually, the shirt that I'm wearing now. This is 2019. 2019 years. Um. They finished at the Durban, we finished at the Durban Stadium. And you have to walk up and down so many stairs. It literally took me almost an hour to get out of the stadium after finishing. (laughs) With two people to help me on each side. (laughs) (laughs) This is after 90 kilometers and you still have to climb over steps. 
Ah, yo, I, you don't even think about it. Okay, it ends at the stadium, but I must say the welcoming was so awesome at the stadium. When you enter the stadium, it's so much energy, so much noise, so much cheering. You forget about all the pain in your body till you cross the finish line, and then you're like, oh, shit. And some people go on the knees, fall over. I just started I taking that. <laughs> um, We have a question for you. How many comrades have you done? I've done three. Three comrades. That is three more than I have done, and I'm still not sure if I'm going to do it. Because 90 well, kilometers been, is a lot. Yeah, been on the streets for like 10 years next year. I think 10 years is a good time to start. So I was always told that, you know, comrades, you need to do it in your 30s. That's still three years away. Yeah. Because I I currently... When I was 26, 27. That's when I did my first (laughs) comrade. So uh, that should be me right now, but mm -mm, 90 kilometers is a lot. Um, What are some of your best and worst memories from the streets? Okay. Before you go, before we go on, I just need to say something. Comrades is actually not as bad as you think it is. I know you won't not believe, <laughs> but it's not as bad as you think it is. <laughs> Once you're and... in the experience, it's not as bad. Your first comrade is not as bad. Your second one is bad because you know what to expect. You know how long the road is. You know where the pitfalls are on the route. You know where you're going to suffer. <laughs> so the second one is a bit, um, yeah. It's a bit of a challenge. But the first one, you're excited. You just want to run. You've got all these fellow um, runners around you, supporting you, screaming for you. It's kind of like a new scene. And you kind of forget about some of the pain. So it's easier. I would say it's easier. I think the best race um, that has the best support that I've ever done is Soweto Marathon. That was the most amazing experience ever. Because you're running in Soweto and literally on every corner there's people, there's people and they're offering you stuff. Like they'll, they'll offer you gin at like 7 a.m. in the morning. They'll offer you beer. Yeah, I know. That, that, like the camaraderie that you experience there is the best. I think Soweto Marathon, I do it just for that. What is my best race? It's probably Comrades. That's my best race. And your worst? I have to say Worst. I don't think there's any bad race. I like all my races. I just think you enjoy running. I enjoy running. Even when I'm suffering, there are some races where you know when your body doesn't want to, you wake up the morning and you're like, body doesn't want to agree with you. Mm -hmm. You start running the first 10Ks of a marathon and you're like, ooh, this is not going to go well. You can see how am I going to survive? And, yeah, but you still push through. Cape Town Marathon is a hard one for me because it's flat. I'm not particularly a fan of flats. Can I just say Cape Town Marathon, the kilometers in Cape Town are longer. The road I is will... just... Oh, my word. <laughs> I, you know, when you've run for a couple of years, you kind of, like, your body kind of knows how long a kilometer is, even though you don't have your watch or... You can sort of measure with your eyes that that's how long a kilometer is. I remember running and I was thinking, mm-mm, 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 mm-mm. this is not one kilometer. This is far. That's the one <laughs> yeah, year that I did Cape Town Marathon. 
I can say the same about when you go when we go up to Jersey to do runs over there because you guys are are a much higher altitude than us, so it's difficult for us. And that's a way to marathon of you. Um, that's a really hot one. It's always very hot. Yeah, I have one of my friends from running is like Soweto doesn't have a tree. So if you're going to do Soweto marathon, you know it's going to be hot and you must just accept that you're not going to get shade for that race. I think yeah. we're lucky if it's overcast on that day, but it's most likely not. And over the last few years they've run out of water, right? So all the marathon runners would have to like drink hot water or there wouldn't be any water at all for the marathon runners. But uh that improved over the years. Just on Comrade's marathon, how do you prepare for it like mentally and physically? Because I don't think it's something you just wake up and say I'm going to do. Mm. I don't know. I'm, maybe it's just me, but I get excited for it. Like I see the challenge. I see I've never done it before, and I want to do it. I see the challenge in front of me. Obviously, there's a lot of physical training involved. You have to do a lot of races, mm-hmm. and you have times for yourself, and you have to meet those times and expectations for yourself. You have to do a lot of speed training. You have to do a lot of long distance to condition your body, all in order to make it easier on your body on actual race day. So the stronger your body is, the the better the race will be. I actually find it more beneficial when you do CrossFit. Not only like CrossFit, CrossFit when you go to a CrossFit gym, but different. Um, you go cycle, you run, you do yoga, and I'm a firm believer in if you do something like yoga, or if you're not into yoga for like, if you're against yoga, you can call it mobility, mobility work in order to reverse all those strenuous um, running, cycling you do on your body, just to reverse that. Otherwise, it's not going to be a pretty picture when you get older. So it's not going to be a pretty picture. But I'm a firm believer and in doing all of those things. And yeah, they target, um, they make you fit in different ways. Like a cyclist, have, they have strong legs. But if you ask them to run, they're not going to be that good at running. Uh, the, the average cyclist. And the other way around as well. A runner will have strong legs, especially long distance. But if you ask them to cycle 150Ks, they're not going to be that strong. So mm. I doing it all whether it's tennis all of those disciplines it's it um makes you fit in different ways i like the painting you know it's not it's not a painting it's a photograph it reminds me of the the movie Aviator. yeah it's very cool long three hour movie so sorry we got cut off as i was asking you about your favorite running shoes over the years you mentioned that you started right running with a Pegasus, and now you've switched over to Adidas Solar Glide and Adi Zero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are my two ones that I have now. The Adi Zero for speed and the Solar Glide for long distance. And carbon plate shoes, you are not interested? No. It's just too gimmicky. It's too much. But I see um, Under Armour. I don't know if you're familiar with this, but they came out with a running shoe that has the tracker inside and it connects to your phone and it shows you how many kilometers you ran and all those kind of statistics. And um, it's a bit too much for me. I get, no, I just need a good shoe and yeah, to support um, wear and tear on my feet, make it a bit more comfortable and 
just shoes and the road. Yeah. What do you think about the carbon plated um, shoes from Nike? So I don't have a carbon plate shoe from Nike. I didn't get the carbon plate one. I got the, I think it's a nylon plate. I honestly love those shoes so much. I wanted to get a second pair in white, but the price tag is just, yeah, no, the price tag is, it's expensive. Um, so the ones, the ones that I have, so if you're running, like if you're walking, they feel weird because they've got like three different foams in the sole. But running, I really enjoy running with them. Um, I think they force me to, I'm uh, not heel strike, sorry. They force me to four foot strike. And Is color important for you when it comes to running shoes? Uh, yes. So color is important to me when it comes to running shoes, running my running way, my yoga way, my swimming way. Because I'm always matching. So color is very, very important. I actually wanted to ask you if you like coordinate your running clothes or your cycling clothes or your yoga outfits. Not really. Hey, I mostly just wear um, my running t-shirts that you get from At the races. Race. And black shorts. Or any type of running shorts, really. I'm not really um, a fashion runner, for the um, lack of a better term. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't, yeah. As long as I have, I'm not, as long as I'm clothed, I guess. If it's that kind of run or not that kind of run. <laughs> as long as you have clothes on. Yeah. On that topic, you mentioned that the um, plated shoes force you to four-foot strike. The ones that yeah. I have. Okay, do you have difficulty doing it in normal shoes? No, I don't. It just becomes easier indoors because I, I don't know how they, like how they do it, but it sort of like forces you to toe off. Yeah, you know yeah. how you talk about how you have energy and all of, Yeah, so it, some shoes I find it really hard to fall for strike in them. Like, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the Nike Freeze. They used to be popular like a few years back and... They're all about zero, like, um, what, barefoot running. So those shoes, for example, I'd struggle to four-foot strike in them. And then... Probably because it doesn't with, have a lot of volume at the heel, right? Yeah, it has, like, like, literally, it's just rubber. Because I had to put rubber under the shoe. But you can literally feel the road when you're wearing those shoes. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, also, with that being said... The shoes that I was talking about, I like them on an even road. As soon as it becomes uneven, then you can actually feel because of the different rubbers that they have. Yeah. Technology shoes. Technology shoes. But Pegasus, anyway. Yeah. Anyway, you can take a Pegasus. Yeah, my favorite range oh. is the uh, Adidas Adizero. That's my most favorite um, shoe. I even run marathons in them sometimes, which I wouldn't um, suggest other people do. But if you're a seasoned runner, you can get away with that. It's a half marathon shoe, but if you're strong enough, you can, because it increases your speed. Or the sole is thinner, so you get to toe off quicker than with a thick sole. So gives you... We can... Super... Um, those Adi Zeros, we can like compare them to... The Nike Flyknit Racer. I don't know if you're familiar with it. The Nike? 
fly net race that used to be like sold it was discontinued it was very very yeah, thin sole but it also looks so good yeah 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 uh so the nike id01 they i don't know i think it was last year or the year before last year um they um designed the shoe um for in order to give it to an athlete to surpass the or one hour one hour five minute mark of a half marathon which is insane insane uh-huh. on so many so they that's where the concept started a minimalistic um shoe just for um yeah speed in order to break the half marathon um speed record i think but have you noticed he got close yeah 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 the, they got close breaking the record but they didn't actually um Have you what thought? Next percent. Before you know it, they'll start designing Android shoes and all that. No. But the Under Armour shoe is like an Android shoe, right? Because I think it's really cool that it tells you. Apparently, it just tells you to run faster and increase your cadence and all of that. Which yeah. I think, if they put I a GPS into the shoe, well, like a GPS or something. Then you wouldn't need a watch. Everything <laughs> exactly. you need would be in your shoe. It I think like that basically a built-in GPS watch for running, but it's a bit too much. Mm. It's a bit. So you're you not into it? the technology. No, I think it takes the fun away from running. Like it makes you lazy in a sense, like that carbon plate. It, instead of your body, your feet doing the work, you're relying on. some foreign material to help you uh, you're not disabled you don't need a carbon plate in your shoe i'm sure you can get the running down on yourself by yourself just a little bit of training all you need to do is training i'm not a fan of these extra gadgets i even like running okay. without a watch sometimes some of my best runs are without a watch so sometimes you get so attached to technology on you that you forget to just enjoy the run and Yeah, is worried about kilometers. How fast are you going per, per kilometer? Worried about the route and all that, about your heart rate. Sometimes it's just good to go out running. I'm an I'd say I'm an old-fashioned runner. Yeah. Uh what's the thing what's the thing glad with the holes and the 2.5 centimeter shorts split shorts. I think If I want to run, I was saying the old school runners used to wear the the vests with the holes and the two point five centimeter shorts, the very short short shorts. Yeah, the split and tackies. I like those shorts actually. I look good in them. I like them too. <laughs> I to like them too. Not to get a proper pair of those. And they're very expensive. Like I saw Adidas selling them for a thousand rand. Nice very design. very expensive um so i just wanted to ask you about back to your yoga journey you mentioned that you have done your training but where do you see your yoga journey going to in the future um in the future i'm definitely now more focused on sports more focused on athletes um how athletes um use their bodies and what can be done to aid them in their respected disciplines um 
whether it being from anything from tennis to whether you, whether you're just gymming, whether you are volleyball, running, rugby, whatever it may be. So just um, definitely going into that area of mobility for athletes. Yeah. Okay, and I have a question from Kim here. She says, uh, women are generally more flexible, right? So as a man, how can you improve your flexibility? The only way to improve your flexibility is to stretch. So you have to do some kind of mobility work, um, some kind of yoga work, if you will. Um, yeah, like, like I said, I started um, downloading a few videos from YouTube, um, not long, 10 minutes long, 15 minutes long. And yeah, you just, you just, you take it from there. Yeah, you take it from there. And besides mobility, what are the other benefits of yoga? Um, yoga really, I believe like yoga is, I sound like a meme now, but yoga is like a, a life hack. It's like once you've discovered yoga, it, it makes your entire lifestyle more easier, I think. Like, yeah. I used to get, um, hit, I started with yoga quite early on though, when I was 21, 22. And I don't know if it was the yoga, but I believe so. I, st I used to have headaches. And then after um, practicing yoga on a regular um, basis for a good couple of years now, close to 10 years, I've not had headaches whatsoever. Maybe a hangover, but that doesn't count as an actual hit headache but no like chronic headaches or you know those headaches for no reason um none of those my health has been better my um your quality of life just improves it's like for the mind as well your mind becomes more still you become more disciplined in what you do in your everyday life your body follows your mind um yeah and life is better with more flexible hips opened hips more flexible shoulders a flexible spine Life is better. Who wants, when you're 50, 60, your shoulders don't move, your spine doesn't want to go this way, that way, your hips don't want to um, open up. So I think it's like everybody needs to do yoga. It's like if you have a body, you do yoga, especially if you want to have longevity in your, in your life, if you want to prolong your life, quality of life for as long as you want, definitely yoga. You will see in some studios, especially overseas, you get these yoga teachers. They are like really, really old, but they still can do headstands. They're still doing um, handstands and these strong twists that bodybuilders not even can do or strong men not even can do. So it's, it's a life hack. If you have a life, if you have a body, then practice mobility or practice yoga. I know some people stray away from the word or the term yoga for religious reasons, but I don't think there's any religion attached to it. Um, it's a way of contorting the body in, in order to open up great space in the body, lengthen out your muscles. If you want to um, add a spiritual element to it, you can, but there's totally, that's totally up to you. But it's mainly um, mobility in the body, stretching out. And we call them poses, asanas. So that's a Sanskrit word for a pose. 
So you'll notice, I don't know if you know Sanskrit. Are you that much into yoga? I do know Sanskrit. Okay. So like there's always asana at, every, at the end of every pose, they say asana. No matter mm. what the pose name is, it ends with asana. So asana meaning pose for Sanskrit. So yeah, there's no religion attached to it. It's just a way of improving um, the way you move on a day-to-day basis. And what you do with it further um, for mindful, religious reasons is totally up to you. So yoga is still concentrated in the more affluent areas in South Africa. I think this is like a general thing. We find that even at the gym, the more affluent gyms like your Santin, your Cape Town, CBD, your Pretoria gyms are have yoga classes, but you find that your your lower tier gyms, which are situated in the like not affluent areas. They don't have yoga classes. So how do we bridge that gap? How do we diversify yoga? Because right now it's still a space where it's not diverse. I would go to a class and I would be the only black person there would be or I'd be the only man there. So how do we like start bridging the gap between that to expose more people to the practice if you see it as a life hack? It, uh, yoga is I would say difficult to get for some people because it's a very mindful practice and not just anybody would go for yoga. But I know of a few um, good initiatives. I don't know if you're familiar with the Earth Child Project uh, in Cape Town. Uh, that's by so Yoga South Africa, right? Yeah, yeah. So they're based mm. in Cape Town, really, and they focus on um, bringing yoga um, to the townships. So they focus on doing workshops there. They get teachers. Um, we volunteer and we do yoga with um, underprivileged um, kids and adults, just in introducing them to the um, yoga environment and all that. And they, from what I've seen, they seem to like it a lot. Yeah. Because mm, it's something different as well. Reaching the gap. And I think yoga is good for mental health. But... I think it's difficult for somebody to get to that point um, by themselves on their own. Mm. Mostly when people get to yoga, it's when a friend asks them to come along or something like that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So most people need to be pushed. Yeah, it's like running. Like I was pushed into running. You don't just start running. Somebody needs to force you. Um, my last question on yoga so it's been so many months since I've been to a hot yoga class have you done one and what do you think about it I have done hot yoga if I can use the word it's a strong word but it's a bit irritating to me though <laughs> because why I don't know as a yogi as a yoga instructor I don't know, some people like it this is just my opinion but myself when I'm doing yoga my mind is like centered. I'm focused on the pose. I'm focused on my breath. But in a hot yoga class, I'm focused on, oh my God, it's so effing hot in here. And I'm sweating everywhere. My clothes are so <laughs> on your body. And it's and you're sliding off your mat. Yeah. And the sweat is dripping into your eyes. You're getting blinded by your own salty sweat here, burning in your eyes. It's just very distracting for me. But I have done it before. Yeah. 
Okay. And yeah, so I wanted to ask you about a picture I posted you were running in speedos and I think that was in initiative like a part supporting the Love Your Nuts Foundation. Could yeah, you yeah. shed some light more on that? Um so that was for um a men's health initiative like for men's um testicular cancer. So yeah, I was approached by a guy and he asked if me and a friend which is in that pic that you posted he's running beside me that's Rudy um would run in um these um speedos in order to raise awareness for men's health and testicular cancer. And at the beginning I was like uh I was like very like but then I got around to it and then, like all things I thought it would be fun exciting challenge in order to get out of my shell because I tend to be more um reclusive. So I it was a nice challenge. It was so much fun. So many people cheered. I got a few numbers. Um yeah, a lot of people flirted <laughs> that. It was so much fun. So, so that was Cape Town Marathon. We ran that Cape Town Marathon, the last Cape Town Marathon. We ran in our speedo. 42 kilometers in a speedo. My thighs were so red. My thighs were so red. Because there's nothing in between. There's no tights, no nothing to stop them from, you know, shaping. Uh, yeah. yeah. Vaseline was my savior that day. You? Was my savior. Actually, Vaseline saves the day all the time because um, I've done a race in short shorts and after about 12 kilometers, I could feel that my skin was just getting irritated. And I was hoping yeah. for Vaseline because I didn't, I wasn't carrying any. And there was a guy on the corner just holding out Vaseline like this. And I just, you know, yeah. I just literally dipped my fingers like this. And I was like, whew. Took a big scoop. Now 20 kilometers to go in these shorts. What a bad decision. I don't know. You um, just think the beginning of the race. Yeah, so I cannot imagine okay, a marathon on. in Speedos. I think that's just amazing. It was, it was fun. Except for the um, chafing, chafing, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was a mm. lot of fun. I would do it again. Yeah. First, I have to I give think me, like, three months a morning in advance so I can hit the gym, and then after that. <laughs> I think the charity should have a team of the speedo runners to raise awareness around it. I've got a few friends that have also done it before, yeah, but it would be nice to have, like, a big group, yeah. A squad, a squad of men, squad of runners. Mm. Would you? Ever I do take... it? So I don't mind doing it. Let me just think. Let me just think. My only problem would be the chafing, not the wearing of the speedo. I would definitely do it, but I would need to have Vaseline somewhere because I'm gonna chafe. I don't think I'd last 42 kilometers because I I have thick thighs and they run against yeah. each other. But surprisingly, I've done so it's a marathon wearing short shorts. I didn't have Vaseline, but I didn't shave. Okay. So somehow, somehow that worked, somehow that worked. But yeah. Okay. I want to ask you about COVID, which is our current reality. Actually, the session started because of COVID. Had yeah. it been pre-COVID times, I probably would have sent you these questions on email. You'd answered them, I would have posted but it wouldn't have been as interactive as this. So this is like a positive from COVID. But how has COVID affected you personally? Um, 
Look, people always say the word COVID, and I think all this um, like negativity, and then start like um, complaining. <laughs> but for me, it's been quite a good time, except for all the bad things happening. Of course, I'm not saying that, not um, being insensitive to all that. But I think for me personally, it was a good time because it kind of forced the world to slow down and shut down for a while, and it forced people mm-hmm. to focus to be alone with themselves which I think was good and is still good and it it really it started gave me more time to meditate I had more time to meditate I had more time to practice and I just became more peaceful as if that was possible <laughs> more aware of my surroundings and the people in my life and more aware of my actions and it was just a uh, spiritually growing time for me yeah yeah i would say and how did you survive lockdown through meditation through just going outside in the garden or wherever there's greenery or wherever i can look up in the sky and then just with my headphones or earphones in listening to relaxing music and meditating and just you know before i mentioned when i went to yoga school Meditation used to be like so hard for me sitting down for like 5 minutes well now I do it for like an hour I can totally meditate for an hour and that's how I used to yeah let time fly by um watch a lot of podcasts listen to a lot of podcasts um yeah just grow and grow myself which I think was good I don't think if the lockdown was not there I would have gone the same route and i can see that it really affected my life and the outcomes that i'm having now and the things that are coming into my life the opportunities that i'm getting and i can see it stemming from having that time alone with myself and yeah having that lockdown that isolation it was good just a detox from the world yeah um you mentioned that you listen to a lot of podcasts and you also read um a lot of books um so Would you mind sharing just some of the podcasts or books that you've read and enjoyed? Okay. So I'm not much of a reader. I've only read like two big books in my lifetime. Well, there's recent one really um caught my attention which is by Eckhart Tolle. It's quite a mindful book. It's um uh it's by a book by Eckhart Tolle and he wrote a book The Power of Now was his first book was a big huge seller and now he wrote one mm-hmm. A New Earth. and yeah a new earth changed my life like it has 10 chapters in it and every chapter will change your life it's basically a guide it's a life hack basically telling you um things that you kind of knew in the back of your mind you kind of had an awareness of it being there but it it describes it in more detail and it just gives you that awareness like after reading that book you would never look at another person or your surroundings the same it deciphers like life i would say the best way i can put it it deciphers life and then after reading the book i started going into so if you're not a big reader um you can go into spotify and then you can get all 10 chapters in podcast um there on spotify and you can listen to it um it's on oprah super soul sundays so then she discusses every chapter with um Eckhart Tolle which is also good if you can read the book and 
do the podcast as well. And it's kind of one of those books. It's like you can read it 10 times. You always pick up on something new. You always learn something new and you always grow. It's a good book to have. Once you finish with it, you would not want to put it away. It will always be there. So that was life changing for me. Yeah. And I don't think I would have gotten into that book if it wasn't for lockdown. So another reason um, why lockdown was a good thing. That book um, reminds me of another book that I've read. I think it was my mother's birthday present to me while I was still in varsity. And it's a manuscript found in Accra by uh, Paolo Coelho. And what you mentioned now about life lessons, he also shared life lessons, but he shared them in the format of uh, people in a city and they know that they're going to be attacked by an opposing army or an opposing force. And basically one of the members in that group is just telling them like life lessons to live after the storm has passed. So I think for my 22nd or 20, 20th birthday, I think that's when I got that book. It was quite interesting. And it's also like a very thin book. So you get through it quickly. And Paolo Coelho is one of my favorite authors. So I need to listen to that podcast. I'm always just looking for new podcasts to listen to. Yeah, me too. I'm always looking for new podcasts. You must send me that, um, the title of that book or screenshot I'll of do that. I'll so. The interesting thing Another... about... No, sorry, go on. Uh, the interesting thing about um, Eckhart's book is he, I love the chapter where he describes the ego. Love, love, love. And he has this quote where he says, the ego for mankind is the um, center of all suffering. So ego is the center of all suffering. And you would think like your ego is a person bragging over this, a person bragging over that, his or her lifestyle, but it goes much deeper than that. And we all have an ego. And it's so interesting for me how the term ego, um, through reading the book, expanded much more. It got... Um, awareness of the term ego so that was the biggest takeaway from that um, reading that book another like podcast that I found um, it's called the yoga is dead podcast and it's run by these two um, yogis I'm not sure if they're still creating it but there was like a season one and each episode explored like um, a problem which they found within the yoga community or the yoga space and one of the episodes is like I think the title was like 200 hours yoga teacher training killed yoga and another episode was like white people killed yoga it was very interesting to listen to those episodes and listen to their opinions because they also got a lot of pushback for their podcast so I think that's another interesting podcast to listen to my last um, question to you is just to share a message of hope to everybody that's watching or listening to this podcast. I think the year just started and you know, a lot happened in 2020. So this year we need to be positive. Yeah. I think, Anna, yeah. My message would be to be, just be... Um... Practice more mindfulness. Um, yeah, start um, getting into podcasts. I think it's an easy way if you're not a reader. Um, getting into podcasts. Yeah, that's what I would say. 
start being more mindful of things. Yeah. And now that the vaccine is coming and I think the country is going to start slowly start opening up again, you have plans maybe to do like a marathon at some point or participate in the swim from Cape Town to Robben Island? Yeah, no, I'm not that strong of a swimmer yet. Oh, I'm still working on my swimming. But I would love to do a marathon. Yeah, now that things are looking like they're starting to return to normal, the excitement will return to get out on the road once again. I cannot wait to do my first race. I have, yeah, it's been so many months. Uh, I cannot, you know, cannot I wait. this but when you wake up for a race and you can't sleep the morning of the race free uh, race jitters uh, those are the best i miss those i had that i had that for so it's a marathon because i think it was my first marathon and i wasn't like i thought i was going to downgrade to 21 but then the day before i was like you know what I, i have 42 inch i'm just going to do it i'll die on the road the ambulance yeah. will fetch me So I couldn't sleep and then like two hours later I had to wake up because then we have to go to the stadium and I was like, oh my word, am I really going to run a marathon with no sleep? And I did <laughs> run a marathon with no sleep. Your body gets so hyped then you forget, you forget that you're tired and sleep deprived basically. It's the same for comrades though. You don't sleep. You, don't, you do not sleep. Everybody like the night before comrades, we all sit around a fire, we bry, we tell stories, and then it turns to four and then it's time to go to the stadium. Wow. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah. I'm yet to experience that. I'm yet to experience that, but should be fun times. Yeah. Um, to everybody who has watched. Fun. Your first one is fun. Oh. One day, one day, one day, one day. My um, first one was fun, but now that I've, you mentioned ambulance. So at my first one, at the 40K mark, I injured my meniscus in my knee. So I tore my meniscus in my knee. And I started running really funny. And then it got to a point where I could no longer step on my foot or on my toes. I'm putting pressure on my knee. So I hopped my way for... Um, the rest of the 40Ks left to 90Ks. Actually, my first one was in 2019. That was when my um, comrades was 92, 93 kilometers, 92 and a half kilometers. And I basically hopped my way to the finish line. And your body gets to a point where it's in excruciating pain, but you don't want to give up. And then past that point, it all gets numb. Like you just go through the motions. You don't feel, I didn't feel my knee. I didn't feel my leg. I just ran. I just felt heat. And oh. then I got to the finish line and I just crumbled because my, my knee gave in. And when your body cools down from running with an injury, I was in a crutch with crutches and a moon boot for one and a half months. And I lost all my running fitness. It was hard for me to run a 5K after that. after recovering from that knee injury. Your so, story is like reminiscent was... to me because I did my first half marathon with an injury and I didn't know. And I, <laughs> like, I did the half marathon with the injury and it was fine, you know? 
And people were telling me that I'm running funny. And it had been a couple of weeks leading up to that where I wasn't running okay. Yeah. Only after the half marathon that uh, I, did I go to a sports doctor and he told me that I had actually a stress fracture, um, I think in my tibia. So I was also in a moon boot for like six weeks and crutches. I was off my feet. Whew, coming back to running from that. Oh, I remember the first run I did was when Nelson Mandela passed away, we as Bramfree runners ran from Bram to his Houghton house to deliver a pair of like Nike shoes. Yeah. And that was like 14 kilometers. I mean, I haven't been running. Now I have to do 14 kilometers. I think I only did seven, but oh my word. Whew, no, I don't want to be ever injured again. I'm fine. Uh, uh, it's not fun. That's why you should do yoga. Yeah. <laughs> Prevents injuries, those hamstring True. injuries, knee injuries, ankles, feet. Prevents True. them all. True. To everybody that has watched and joined this podcast recording, thank you so much. This episode is going to be available on YouTube and podcast streaming platforms. So, Kalman, going to need to remember to say this properly when I do meet you in Cape Town. Yes. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. Um, it was such a nice conversation. Speaking about running, yoga, and all the sports that we still need to do in the future. Yeah. Enjoy the rest of your evening and the rest of your week. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. I look forward to seeing you in one of my classes. And maybe I can twist you in, into a pretzel in one of my classes. <laughs> I'm kidding. I... I'm very flexible. Oh, I'm thick, but I'm very flexible. Okay.